welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm super excited to introduce to you this week's guest, my good friend, Erica Schaefer. Erica and I actually went to college together at the University of California, Irvine. And fun fact, one time we slept in a bed together for a month because we went on um, the New York Satellite Program, which is part of the musical theater department at UC Irvine. And we got to spend a month in New York and Erica was my roommate and we spent a glorious month sleeping in the same bed. So there you go. Um, She's also an incredible singer, actor, dancer, true triple threat. Um, And during quarantine, she started a business on Etsy making jewelry out of clay. So in this episode, you'll hear us talk about how she started her business and what she's thinking and you know, how that grew out of a need to want to be creative during quarantine. So a little more officially, Erica is a multi-hyphenate performing and visual artist based in the Los Angeles area. When she is not on stage acting through song and dance, you can find her creating visual works, most often paint, collage, and mixed media, writing poetry, or making jewelry out of polymer clay. She also loves a good hike, thrift shopping, spending time with loved ones like her partner Nico, and exclaiming dog whenever she sees a dog in public. I love that about her. Um, yeah, I this conversation is like a nice conversation with a good friend. You'll hear me tell a story about the time that I went to an audition in New York City in 2020. And I have a lot of opinions and feelings about it. So you'll hear me get a little passionate which is fun because you haven't heard me do that yet. (laughs) But there you go. So enjoy this episode with Erica. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for coming on the Creative Soul Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. Hi, Leigh. The first question I would love to ask you is what is currently fueling your creative soul? That's an excellent question. At the moment, it's been a lot more skewed toward visual art than Mm -hmm. it is performing art, which is kind of interesting since you and I know each other from getting our degrees in performing arts. And that is obviously still such a huge part of my life and yours. During this time, I've honestly not done a whole lot of performing or a lot of focus on that part of my not only my creative soul, but I, I mean, on a more logistical level, my like career, I guess it's, yeah. it's, it's tricky because when I think about that part of my creative life, that also coincidentally happens to be a lot of my work life. I truthfully get kind of sad just because of the state of things and knowing that it's going to be quite a while before things kind of open up again, which obviously we want to be as safe as we're able and, and do the right thing, but it's, it's just tricky. Like it, it's weird in that I've not been feeling super fueled by 
that, but I thinking more positively and things that are fueling that part of, of my brain are anything from like painting. Like I started painting at the beginning of quarantine and I write poetry. I don't really talk a lot about it to anyone, but I, yeah. I yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So I, I write poetry occasionally and I've, I've kind of compiled some of my work and I want to keep kind of making that more of a daily or regular practice as far as mm. writing and, and getting it more as opposed to just when I feel inspired, which is so, Oh yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Creativity. <laughs> oh yeah. I was going to say, I was like, you are, you are an expert. It's, it's all about practice and something I'd love to practice more. And then doing like craft stuff. Like I've been making, as you know, a whole lot of stuff out of clay. That's kind of been the biggest thing that has been, it's been really fun and challenging and just neat to see like the different things that are possible when making it. Like yeah. I've gotten a lot of people asking for really specific things or things that I was like, I don't know if I can make it, but let's find out. And it's been such a fun and like uninhibited thing that I've been doing. That's been really fun and, and new. Ooh. Yeah. Will you talk a little bit about that? Like what what sparked that idea and what you do and where people can find you and all that stuff. Yeah. So funny enough, my mom actually came home one day. So I live with my family and my mom came home one day and was like, Hey, I saw that people do this on the internet. Like we should give it a try. Like we could do this. And I was like, okay, sure. This was like in maybe late March, early April. And growing up, my mom is always super crafty and I kind of got some of my love for like arts and crafts on the visual end from her. And at first it just started out to be something that we like, we're like, sure, let's just give it a try. Like we've never really done this before. And when I was really young, I would get clay from Michael's or Joanne and would like make food for my Polly Pockets with it. Like that was oh the extent. <laughs> like just like so silly. And I was just like, well, like this is, it, it's, it was so weird to kind of pick it up again in a different way. Weird, but good. And so we started and it was, at first it was just us and like a bunch of clay and popsicle sticks to like measure and see how even it was oh. and like cookie cutters. That's all we, we were like, this works, sure. But now, I mean, since then, over the past, how many months? One, two, three, four months, we both have been making and selling them for people. Um, I opened up an Etsy shop. What else have I done? We have very fancy tools now. We learned a lot more oh about how, how to make things and make them look very uniform and different techniques and finding other people, like a, a community on the internet too, to bounce ideas off of and kind of learn from and, and lean on each other. But yeah, it's been super fun. Yeah, I'm, it's called Schaefer Claymaker. So my last name is Schaefer. And I just thought it was a funny little play on words. So, and you make earrings, just to say, just if people. Are yes, I. <laughs> like what in the world are you making? No, I make I make food for your Polly Pockets. That's all I, I mean, make. That could work too. <laughs> I mean, like I'll still do it. Like if I ever got a request, I would do it. I actually made bagel earrings for Danny Honeyman, like bagel oh, with locks. Yeah. She was just like, can I make a request? And I was like, of course. And she's like, can you do this? And I was like, I don't know, but we're going to find out. Oh, I didn't know that you could make custom requests like that. Uh, I do. I mean, I usually, for, for friends, I'm always like, yeah, like whatever you want. 
Yeah. And, but I, I, I formally opened up an option on my shop where people can click it and we can collaborate and make something together. Because I think even though sometimes they're a little bit more time consuming or they require revision, I think they're some of the most fun and challenging things to do because yeah. oftentimes it's ideas that I normally wouldn't think of myself. The fact that you started a business during quarantine is pretty incredible. Did you have any like fears about that or was it just kind of like this fun thing that turned into something bigger that you knew that you could share with other people or what was that kind of like for you? I'd say it's a little bit of both, to be honest. I mean, I still have fears about it in some ways. And, and lately, I've honestly been thinking about how can I make this more of a Obviously, it is, it is creative and it's a way to exercise my own creativity and a stress relief kind of thing. But it also, I'd love for it to become something that perhaps is more financially lucrative, especially given the uncertainty of work right now and being furloughed from like all of my jobs and streams of income. So I'm like, okay, how, in addition to like applying for tons of random jobs here and there, I'm like, how can I maybe like maybe being my own boss would be better in the long run or something I want more than taking another like part-time random position at, I don't know, some random store. Like I I just keep thinking, I'm like, maybe I want to be my own boss. And so there's, there's times where I get a little freaked out. And I think for me more so it's like the imposter syndrome that creeps in and the, and being super, critical of my work too sometimes wanting things to be and I know perfection is not real but like wanting it to be as as close to perfect or, or just as intentional and as well made as I'm able to give to someone yeah um and make it's sure like giving it to someone else it's not just things you're keeping for yourself abs- yep absolutely and I just I, I care I care so much about <laughs> not only what other people think, but just, I care so much about other people and want them to be happy with what I am able to give to them and what I'm able to give to the world. Like I, I, that's something that is very, it concerns and worries me a lot. What, what other people think of what I produce. But at first truly it was like a, I don't know, this is fun and it's occupying my time and it's making me feel like I have some sort of purpose. Yeah. Uh, beyond, and not that, I mean, even if you don't feel like you have purpose, you certainly do. But yeah, I'm sure like many other people, there've been days during this period of time where you don't feel super productive or I don't know, you just kind of feel lazy or unmotivated or sad or angry at a myriad of things. So you're just like (laughs) anything to like keep me distracted but keep me occupied in a in a positive way yeah that's beautiful and I think I mean I know that I've experienced the same thing and I think many other people have and I also just want to comment on the fact that I love that it's an activity that you and your mom do together so that yeah beautiful bonding moment between the two of you what's it like working with your mom in a creative way is that something that you've done before with her not to this extent, no. Um, it's interesting because we figured out pretty early on that we have different styles as far as w- the things we like to make. Mm. And at first, it was so funny because my mom, like, she's super creative and has a lot of great ideas on her own. And I don't think she ever 
not ever, but sometimes doesn't own that as much as I think she could. So she kind of started making things and so did I. And, and she was like, yeah, like, well, I made this, these things, but if you want to sell them to people or, or show people that they exist, cool, but I don't want them to know that I made them. And I was like, why, why don't you want that? And it's so funny. Like, she's like, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't need, I don't want the credit. I was like, are you sure? Like people should know that you made this. It's very cool. You deserve that credit. I feel kind of weird saying that I made them when I did not. <laughs> I was like, uh, like, are you sure about that? And I had a feeling that eventually she would change her mind or maybe deep down she did want that. And, yeah. and maybe because after I like made the Etsy and like started getting the fancy like business cards from Vistaprint, she was like, oh, wow, like this is cool. And She's a very, like, so she got her degree in business, and even though, so professionally, she's a court reporter, which is kind of not at all related to what she went to school with or even thought she would do professionally, but, like, she has such a business, like, she's very business-minded and Mm -hmm. creative, and I think, like, I think deep down, like, a secret dream of hers is to, like, own her own business or own her own store. Wow. So, and I, and I, I like, I want that so bad for her too, because I can tell how much she enjoys it. So eventually she kind of, and, and, and her, again, her, her ideas and her style is just a bit different than mine is. Mine's definitely a little bit, a little bit more quirky and kind of whimsical. And like, I, not to put age into this, but like definitely a little bit more young and her stuff her stuff is beautiful but i was like yeah like i think this is definitely for a different group of people right um and she kind of was like yeah like do you and i was like well i think i think you should keep making things but i think not that i don't want to share them with other people but i was like you should share them yourself and like mm-hmm. and take that credit and she eventually did and um Oh. Like that, like as as soon as we kind of had that, like re- reached that moment and had that conversation, she immediately was like, okay, so like, what should my thing be called? Like, I'm going to order business cards right now. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was funny, but it was so sweet. And she, yeah, she, it's, it's been really cool. I mean, she often will find a lot of stuff. Like we order supplies for both of us to share and use. We have a whole setup in our like spare living room area done where we have like a little table and a couple rolling carts full of all of our supplies and anything we usually buy, we just share. I love that story. And that's so cute too, to like start it together, but then have her work through her creative fears and the things that were holding her back. And then her seeing you doing it gave her the courage to go off on her own. So now it's like, you're both going down this venture, but separately because you are separate people. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that she and I were able to kind of discover that naturally and it wasn't like a hey, why don't you like cuz eventually like not that I didn't want to sell the things she made, but I just was like it just doesn't feel authentic to me. Yeah. And it feels kind of weird and she kind of said how like she jokingly was like, "Oh, like do you not want do you not like what I make?" And I was like, "No, I love what you make." Yeah. It's just it's yours and it's you and it's not me. But I'm glad that that all of that transition kind of happened pretty smoothly. That's just really cool to see, like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that story of 
it, it, a, a perfect example of like someone projecting those fears and those insecurities onto someone else and being like, well, is it because you don't like it? And it's like, no, it's because I want you to own that you made it because you are worthy and it is good, you know? But, and I think we all deal with those kinds of things too, of like wanting to hide behind something else because then, oh no, what if they see me? What if they judge me? Whatever that is. Oh so, yeah. yeah oh really yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I definitely, there've been some moments, especially in the last few months and kind of the last year with my mom where especially like entering into that more the adult relationship, like an adult child and their parent entering into a different chapter of our lives and, and how is our relationship going to work now? And it's definitely nice to like see our friendship grow, even though she's my mother and will always be my mother. And yeah, she, she definitely like, I, I have to, she oftentimes, so people will say a lot of the time, that I either look just like her or I act just like her or both. And a couple years ago when people first started saying that, I was just like, oh gosh, like I'm becoming my mom. Yeah. But she's like, she's an awesome lady. She's so cool. And like, not only that, but she's just so selfless and, and smart and creative and like all these wonderful things and beautiful, of course. And there've been a couple times where I'm like, like you got to own who you are and like, cause who you are is so wonderful. Or, or like, if I tell her, anyone says that to me, she'd be like, Oh, like, I'm sorry. I'm like, why are you apologizing? Like, don't you dare apologize. I take it as the hugest compliment. I get that a lot too with my mom. And that's really cool to kind of see how your relationship changes and how it adapts to, like you said, the adult relationship and now like relating on a more friend level. Yeah. I would love to talk about the transition out of college to the real world. And uh, I know that like I've gone on this whole journey after graduating college and being in the real world and figuring out who I am as an artist and as a human being and all of these things. And so I'd love to hear from you what your journey was like with, with that. Was it hard to make that transition? What did you discover? And what did you think you were doing and what are you doing now? And does it look different? So I'm throwing a whole bunch of things at you, but just give us that whole journey. Oh boy. Yeah. Leaving school. I'm so thankful for all the, to preface, very thankful for all I learned at school and not just at UCI, but other institutions I was at prior to then. Not only all I learned, but all the people that I met and all the friends that I made. I think that's out of that whole experience as I continue to move further away from it. That's the thing that was the most impactful. And the thing I treasure the most is the people that I met. Mm-hmm. But yeah, leaving was it. It was funny because at first I almost like not, not that I didn't want anything to do with musical theater or theater or performing because I, I love it. And I've been doing a lot of it since I left, but it was almost like a, like wanting to kind of like, you know, when people say like, you have to learn all the rules before you can break them or forget about them. Yeah. And that's maybe what I wanted to do is I was like, I just want to forget. I just want to like, I've been, my brain has been so packed with all this information and all these experiences, both good and bad that I was like, Oh, like, I just want to move far away from it, which that kind of was my reaction at first. And that summer after I did, I did a musical at the chance, which is a smaller theater. So that was like, it was funny, like leaving and, and, and doing a very serious dramatic 
show right after that. And then immediately after that, it was probably the most serious thing I've done until I did Next to Normal last year. So I did Parade. And then <laughs> between those two, I was doing a bunch of theme park shows, which are all very, not nonsensical, but like very silly, very lighthearted. It's really not about the story. It's more just about like, hey, like, let's have fun. And like, Yes. Dance our faces off, like, and, and hang out with Snoopy. And that was pretty much all I did for, like, the last couple years, in addition to other performing things. And, yeah, I didn't really expect that that was going to happen. I, I've definitely, I've definitely appreciated that time to kind of step away from the more serious part of it all. Like, it, it's been so nice to do stuff, even though I feel very strongly about putting art into the world that invokes conversation and change and that is intentional and meaningful. And, and I think that things even that are, that are more surface level or uh, frothy or fun can be very meaningful because they give positive things, even if it's not like inspiring a social justice movement, yeah. which not everything has to. Exactly. <laughs> um, we need entertainment we need or, yeah. to, or, or art that is not that doesn't take itself too seriously. And that is about just having fun and celebrating joy. So it def, I mean, I, I don't know if I had an expectation leaving. I, I think I, I definitely was still tinkering with the idea of, Oh, well maybe in a couple years I'll move. Like that was kind of the line I fed a lot of people just because I feel like there's a lot of pressure after you leave school, not only from your uh, professors or your peers, but just friends and family be like, oh, so like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Like maybe I'll work for a couple of years and then move to New York because I thought that was the answer that a lot of people wanted to hear. Yeah. Or that was the answer that sounded like, oh, she's really like, she's doing it. She's working on it. Mm. And, and like, I mean, you moved to New York and I have, and we have so many friends who moved there and, and I think that's wonderful. And I truly still think at some point I'd like to live there for a bit. But I think I realized as time went on, I was like, you know what? I think I'm happy here and there's nothing wrong with me saying I'm happy in this place that I am in geographically and also realizing too that there's not like a rush. There's no, it's not a race. It's not timed. Like I don't have to do things in a certain order or a certain timeline. Like I can, I, the mindset I like to keep in my in my noggin is just to continue moving forward. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean you figured it all out because usually you don't, but you just kind of, I try to just take things one, one step at a time and releasing expectation from my own, from myself and also like the expectation I think other people in my life have for me. That's something that's been tough because like I, I mean, right before all this hit and pretty much for the past few years, I've, I've been working like multiple jobs during the day and auditioning or performing when I was able. That was kind of my main focus. And then having a few different jobs kind of surrounding it to support myself. And, and, and even though I was working so hard, it's still like getting comments from extended family or just people I'd meet being like, like trying to explain to them what it is that I do or that I like the kind of work 
life I have or the place that I live in, which is my parents' home, mm. just like just the way sometimes people look at you or the like even if they don't say anything, you can tell that they're thinking something perhaps. And maybe that's me projecting my own insecurity onto them. It could be that in a way. Yeah, it could be both, I think. It could be a bit of both. And it's just frustrating because you and I are both super educated women. Like we're incredibly intelligent. We have degrees and not that getting a degree equates intelligence, but it's like, I'm an intelligent young woman. And not only that, like I'm creative, I'm resourceful. Like I am, I have so much to offer and the, the work life I am currently choosing to, to do right now, like the way that my, the places where I get money from, it's, it is a lot of like entry level and service positions just because it allows me the flexibility to still do the thing that I actually really want to do and that I love to do. Yeah. And it's just so fresh. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this or felt this way, but just knowing that like, I could tomorrow, if I really wanted go out and get like an office job at an insurance company that would pay me however much money and would give me benefits and la 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 la. But I was like, Ooh, like my soul would die. I think if I did that, like knowing that you are fully capable to do the thing that a lot of people do. Right. And that I think is the more traditional route of having like a nine to five job and, and whatnot, but like just knowing that you're capable of that, yeah. but, but I'm choosing to live a different way in order to get closer to the thing I actually really love to do. Yeah. And I think you speak on a lot of things that I've been thinking about too. One, the pressure to move to New York and Mm-hmm. I feel like what we were taught in school and kind of what we're just taught in the industry is like, there's one way to do it. You move to New York, you start auditioning. And it's like, no, what I've realized is that there's so many different ways to do what you want to do. And it doesn't have to look like me living in New York, you know, worried about making rent and waking up at 5 a.m. to go to auditions. And if you can do that, if you want to do that, that's beautiful. And like, if that's your path, that's wonderful. But getting really clear on what will be best for you and for what you want to do. And so I think if like, if staying in California makes you the happiest then like absolutely stay in California. And it's funny too, because it's not like, I mean, you're not like living in Kansas, you know, <laughs> like you have. Well, that's the thing. That's so funny. I, abs- I completely agree with everything you just said. Yes. Like that's the thing. If that makes you happy, and that is the place geographically that you need to be, that you feel like I am my happiest when I'm here, then go. Like, yeah. And like you said, if you have the capability and the drive and the passion to do, to live that kind of life, then go for it, do it. Yeah. But yeah, it's all about figuring out what works best for you. Yeah. And what, and, what makes you happy. And then also, because this is something that I've been questioning a lot recently, but the idea that... I don't know any other industry. So I'll tell you a story. I moved to New York in January and my plan, I don't know if you know this, but whenever I had graduated school, I was like, yep, moving to New York City right away, all that. And then life took me on a different path and I ended up moving to Connecticut to take this job at the theater. Again, working in the office, I wasn't doing anything creative there, but I was working and being around creative people and seeing a lot of theater. And so it was a great experience. And then, then I finally moved to New York City in January and I had already kind of decided that 
I didn't really want to do like the auditioning life. I was like, I'm an artist and I'm allowed to call myself an actor and an artist, even though, guess what? I haven't performed in something or I haven't acted in a show since college. And that was a big part of my imposter syndrome too, because I was like, well, can I really call myself an actor anymore when like I haven't really acted? And I don't know. I mean, I've done other things and I've created my own work and like, you know, that's been a beautiful journey in itself. And I think that my self-identity as an artist is always changing. But anyways, to say that in January, I went to an open call just to kind of check it out and woke up at like 5 a.m. It was snowing. I show up at the audition place. There was already 300 people in line in the snow. They had been up since like 3 a.m. Camping out in the snow outside. The line was like 500 people. I waited in line for two hours. So I was there from like set maybe six to, no, three hours. because I was there from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. At 9 a.m., they let people in, in like groups to give them a number to then come back later to audition. And so I go in and I get a number to come back at like 3.30 p.m. So this was like 9 a.m. Okay, now I have to come back at 3.30 p.m. A lot of people at that time had to go to work. And so they were like, they had to give up their audition spot. So they just woke up for nothing. They were not going to get seen. They just stood in the cold for hours. And now they have to go work. And I, luckily, I didn't have anything better to do to that day. So I went back home. I was staying at my sister's place at the time because I hadn't um, found an apartment yet. And I was like, okay, spent a couple hours. Had to go back for my 3.30 slot, get into the room. Of course, it, then I'm waiting in the audition room for like an hour. Then I get into the room, sing my 15 bars for like 30 seconds, come out, it's over with. You never hear from them again. And I was just like, if that had happened to me right after school, like if I had graduated college and done that experience, I would have been like, oh yeah, this is the life I'm living, the New York City audition life. Like I would have been pounding the pavement like that. But the experiences that I've had over the past, what has it been three years now that we've graduated from college? I was like, fuck that. Like <laughs> I have a college degree. I am an artist. To path people, well-educated people who spent thousands of dollars on their training, have them up at 5 a.m. in the morning to go stand in the cold for hours. I was like, in what other industry is this okay? And how have we made this okay? People who are probably thousands of dollars in debt, who have spent four years training, who are now standing in line, like begging for jobs. I'm like, what is, why, why? I, I just don't understand at what point we were like, yeah, you know, that's, that's the artist's life. It's like, no, fuck that. I am never going to do that. Oh, I just get so angry when I think about this story because <laughs> it's just like ridiculous. And not that you have to go to college in order to be good at what you do. I mean, whatever your path is, that's fine. But it's like, I have a college degree. Like, no feeling sad for all these people waiting in line. I mean, and I was also waiting in line with them. So I was also having this experience at the same time, but it was just like, how can you think so little of yourself and your artistry? Because like you are worth so much more than that. And why, I don't, I don't know if it's just the way the industry has been set up or what it is, or like, how do we create that change? But it's just, no, something has got to change. Like this is not okay. No, dude, I cannot tell you how much 
I share that same feeling. And it, it, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to, it's like, well, not only it's like, who, who in the world thought this was the good idea? Like you said, it's, and, and I would say probably the majority of people who stand in those lines and who wait probably did go to school or a conservatory or have had some kind of training, yeah. which that costs money. That thousands it, of dollars, like thousands of dollars, amount of money, like tons of money. And it, it's, it's, yeah, it's the, what is, I, I, the question I often ask myself and I have to continue to remind myself is like, what is my time worth? Mm. What is my energy worth? Like where I put those two things and how I decide to spend those, I think to me is like, it's some, one of the most important things and one of the most, one of the most, one of the best gifts you can give yourself is to prioritize how you spend your time and where you spend your energy to, because yeah, it just, to me, I feel like something needs to change. And yeah, it makes me furious because it's like, how can we all think so little of ourselves? Like there's so many of us and so few of them in positions of power. Yeah. Like, I feel like we all could, I don't know, maybe band together and try to fix it or change it because it's just not working for the majority yeah. of people. It shouldn't be this like exclusive club that you have to be in in order right. to just be paid attention to and be treated like a human being. Yeah. And I was thinking about like the amount of sheer talent and artistry that existed in that line and in that room. And I'm like, hell yeah, 10 hours of just waiting in line. And at the end of the day, nothing. Or if you're lucky enough to book the job, because how much those jobs pay? Like right. $400 a week. Like, no. Yeah. If that, if that. If that, if, that would be, that, that would be like on the high. I was like, I actually, cause I was so angry when this happened. I was like researching <laughs> like how much those contracts would pay. They do a lot of like cruise ships and theme park shows and stuff like that. Got it. Yeah. And, okay. Right. They don't, they don't pay a livable wage. No. And I was just like, what if we spent these 10 hours, I don't know, actually creating art or actually like doing something good for your soul. I don't know what the answer is. And thinking about the amount of privilege that you have to have in order to pursue a career in theater, in order oh, to, be yeah. able to give up 10 hours of your day. Like the people that had to go to work had to leave and, you know, couldn't show up because they needed to choose between a job that would actually pay them money or a chance of being seen and then, you know, maybe never booking the job. So it's like, you automat that automatically sets up a system where you automatically need to come from a place of privilege and have yep. the financial means in order to be an artist. And I'm like, that is so fucked up. Like yep. then we are already placing, like if you don't come from money, if you don't have anyone supporting you, if you're the one supporting yourself, or if you have people, if you have a family to support yourself, it's like, you can't be standing out there in the cold at 5 a.m. Who is standing out there in the cold at 5 a.m.? Who, you know, like the, the, it's the young people who just graduated from college who are lucky enough to spend thousands of dollars on this degree. It's just like, let's address that problem too. And I, I yeah. really don't hear anyone talking about that. Yeah, it's, it is an immensely privileged system that needs to be dismantled. Yeah, I wonder, I'm thinking about the support jobs because I think we started this conversation actually talking about support jobs and about how your jewelry making business kind of, well, came from a desire to be creative in quarantine, but also, you know, I love that now you're thinking, okay, how can I make this financially viable for me so that 
this can be my support job. And I think that's something as artists that we're always looking for because we do just want, you know, something to pay us a livable wage while we are able to do the things we love. Um, so will you talk about your journey with support jobs and have you found jobs that really worked for you or what kind of advice would you give to people if they're looking for support jobs? Because I know there's so many different things you can do, but have you found a system that really worked for you? Absolutely. So I kind of worked all through college. There were some times where I wasn't working quite as much, but like when I was 18, I got a job and would kind of hop around from just anything that was available to me. I've done, I've had a lot of experience in like customer service retail. A lot of it, I've done like a lot of specialty stuff. So it's a smaller store environment that I felt worked for me personally, just because I'm not, I did work in a big box store once, right when I graduated from UCI, I worked at the container store for like three months. Love it. Yeah, it was, I was like the, the 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. shift where I'd like, I felt very like, it felt kind of powerful, but it was very tiring. It was like unloading shipment off of trucks and I wore like a back brace and I was like pushing all these carts around and like lifting heavy objects, like with my little box cutter and my holster. Like I felt oh very, I felt very badass, but I was like, I'm sure many people were just like, who's this like preteen, like slashing boxes at 10 a.m.? <laughs> That's what I felt like. I was just like, well, like just here, just little box boy. But anyway, so I think I've learned over my, a lot of my work history has been that. I've also done some educational stuff, um, a very brief stint in office work. And in the past few years I've, I've had, so I, I've had a job at a, singing at a church for seven years now. And that's been mainly uh, on the weekend. So that's been very, it's very part-time. And it's usually just weekends or like as needed. So I've sung at some weddings, but actually a lot of funerals. I've done those more often than anything else, which is kind of odd to think about. How's that? Oh, it's interesting. It makes you very contemplative and think a lot. And often like I, I learned how to get through services without getting too emotional and like trying to just focus on like giving them a gift and giving their loved one a gift and being present as much as I could without tearing up but wow. yeah like some of the most emotional things I've done is as someone I never knew and wow. you learn about them like right before the service starts and just hearing their loved ones talk about them and yeah it's wild it's like that's a whole nother like conversation I could I just I've only feels yeah it's it's very odd but ultimately like kind of it's really cool like it, it makes you think a lot about perhaps your own mortality, not to be selfish, but like, it makes you think about that. It makes you think about how maybe you want to spend your own life and seeing it, it just is like a, it's a cool way to be connected to strangers in a very personal moment they're experiencing. Yeah. And not only that you learn about the deceased, but you, you learn a lot about them and I think you learn a lot about them by their family and their friends and people who are physically there. Yeah, really neat. I love it. First of all, I love what you said that you focus on giving them a gift because I think so much about creativity and art is that, that you're giving someone a gift and to be able to be in the position of giving someone a gift is such a beautiful thing. And also I, I love that this came up so organically because I think the experience of attending a lot of funerals as an artist 
because you sing at the service, right? Yes. That's such a unique experience and something that I'm really interested in and I love to talk about on this podcast is spirituality and how creativity connects to spirituality. So the fact that you're literally in the room as people are eulogizing. Will you talk about how has that affected your view of spirituality? Do you feel like, you know, the art that you're giving and, and the soul passing has any connection or what has your experience been like with that? I, I think so. I mean, it's, it's affected my spirituality in, in a positive way. I, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic schools and I, I can't say that I'm super practicing beyond my job at this church like it's it's interesting in that having a job there and I started when I was like 18 or 19 so I was still pretty young and I mean beyond the the job it was so great for me to I I would learn new music and up until I mean obviously I've been furloughed so I'm not there now but I'm still an employee so I'll probably go back eventually if that happens but anyway it's been great and then I've like I have to learn new music constantly so it's been great for my like musicianship and sight reading and things like that so on a technical aspect but it's interesting in that sitting there and listening to the scripture and the like the homily or the sermon in the middle of the mass and it's interesting how that's affected how I view view religion and view kind of what role I want the divine to play in my own life. Mm-hmm. And I will say like, as I've grown older, mainly in high school is kind of when it started is when I began a little to think a little bit more critically about what I had been raised to believe. And I, and I think, and I, and I never had a terribly like negative experience growing up. I, I mean, there's so many people who I talked to who have had horrible experiences with this specific denomination and the church. And I think it's in a lot of ways, the organization is not the greatest and they're, I mean, that's putting it so lightly. There's a lot of problems. And, and for me, one of the biggest problems is the way they view certain social issues and how that affects people I know and love and, and how I don't know if I can with a hundred percent certainty, I can't say that I fully support or believe Mm -hmm. everything that they say they stand for. At its core, it, what it, I've seen more than anything, what it does for other people. Mm. Like my favorite part of all of it, like, and there's, there were some, there's some priests that, who like are just really great speakers and who really, and I, and I always would really try to intensely like read the scripture that week and, and try to really listen to what the, whatever message the priest was trying to convey about that mm. or whatever they wanted to speak on. And there's some who just super eloquent and like I would get something from that or, or they would say something that I felt like I really needed to hear that day. And I was like, wow, like that's, that's something I'm going through right now. And like, that's, that was helpful for me to hear. But I think more than anything, my favorite part about that job has always been how, seeing how aspects of that service, particularly music and scripture and how things are, it's so funny how things are relayed through other people as how I think it touches people the most that way. That was a very odd way of phrasing it. But that makes sense, but like you you know what I mean? Yeah. I think people, because people want to, they can relate to and they understand people. Yeah. It's hard to understand sometimes these really big concepts of God or the divine or things that are beyond this world that we don't 
really know entirely about yet yeah. or that maybe we'll never know. I mean, I'm of the belief that I think that there is a God, but I also don't know. Like, right. I could be totally wrong. I could die and then, I mean, I'm not going to know until, right. <laughs> until I move on. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Is that I, I, I fully, I'm more of like a, I believe in the possibility of, of multiple realities and multiple outcomes that could happen after this life. But I love watching how it affects other people and how it clearly like makes a difference in their life and how they, a lot of them feel like I could tell they're just, they seem more peaceful and happy when the service is over. Mm. Especially like there was this one lady, Marianne, who I don't think she ever could remember my name or like sometimes when I would like change my hair or she'd be like, who are you? And I'm like, Oh, it's okay. Like, it's all right. No worries. <laughs> She's so sweet though. She would come up to me and just be like, you like, you are a blessing to this community and like, you're just an angel. Thank you for doing what you do. And I was like, Whoa, like that makes it worth it. Like, cool. Mm-hmm. Like it was really sweet to hear. And, and it clearly, even if like that day or that service, I was like, eh, like I didn't do the best I could, or I was like, I cracked here or I like didn't quite hit this like thinking of things from a technical perspective yeah like people don't I don't think people notice it most of the time no, and they're just like not. they're they're just no they don't they're just like wow like I'm just so happy that you're here and wow. that you're singing and we're singing together and I'm like wow that's what it's really about and and that job specifically is yeah it's about it's really about giving a gift yeah um, I love I love that you said that giving a gift because I think that's something I've discovered like over the past year. And I, whenever I, f- I find myself in those moments of self-doubt and like, am I good enough? You know, will people care? Blah, blah, blah. Whenever I get stuck in those loops, I just have to remind myself, I, this is a gift. Like I am giving, if I can give someone else the gift of inspiration or feeling connected, or if you're singing in church together and you know, they're feeling the divine coming through you, Oh my gosh, why wouldn't you give them that gift? Why would you be selfish enough to hold that in? Like absolutely you're given that yeah. talent and that or that desire, not even talent, but that desire to because you're a singer and you've been a singer probably your whole life. And if you have that desire, why wouldn't you use it? You know, you're only doing other people a disservice if you don't. So that's something everyone should remember and myself also. <laughs> yes, it's it's so true. And I mean, beyond my, my job at church, I mean, I've, I've had, like I said, customer service stuff. And in the past couple of years, I've been doing something called the Imagination Machine, Ooh. which is, so it's a group in Southern California that does assemblies for creative writing for elementary school kids. What? So, and I, truthfully, like I was very scared to do it at first because it's a lot of like, I like to call it improv with training wheels. So it's, mm. it's hugely improv based. Essentially what we do is, if a school wants us to come do an assembly for them, they have their students all write a short story or whoever wants to submit. Then they submit all of those to us. And then there's readers. So some people who it's, it, we're all a bunch of performers and some people are also readers of packets and also managers, which means they kind of are like the supervisor on duty and like, but anyway, so the readers read through the packets, they select, I think it's up to 10 per school. And usually the school will do one to two assemblies. We usually encourage them to do like two or more just because that way they, we can select more stories and give more attention and time per assembly because it's only like 45 minutes. 
to the kids' stories. But anyway, so we select them and then we go to the school and we act them out in front of them. So we try to honor as much as we can what the authors write, but sometimes the stories are like, there was a girl, she met a dog, then they played. Like there's stories that are like that and that's it. And we Sorry, so you're acting out the stories that the kids wrote. Correct. In front of them. Yeah. And oh my how do they react to you performing their work in front of them and in front of all of their peers too? It depends. Sometimes, I mean, it's sometimes hard to tell who exactly it is. We find out at the very end of the assembly, like, because they come forward and receive a little certificate with their name on it saying, like, I think it's like a writing achievement award or something like that. Wow. Just they have a little something to remember it by. Sometimes they're kind of embarrassed and they seem kind of bashful. It also depends on how old they are. I think the younger, it just depends. Like, sometimes they're like, even if they are a little shy you can tell they're excited about it still like there's a lot of that there's a lot of like oh I'm kind of shy but like you can tell they love it there's been kids who like cry because they don't want to come because <laughs> wow. they're just like so bashful or embarrassed which I'm like oh it's okay like it's all right no worries we'll give it to you later or but a lot of times I, I think they are excited about it and they'll we always like we'll take pictures with them after if they want or you can really tell sometimes too, like when the kid, like, or teachers will come up to us and be like, thank you so much for picking their story. Like they've been working so hard or like they've been having a really rough time with X, Y, or Z, or like they'll, it's really touching to like see that or, or even kids will write about their own family or friends who are physically present while the story is being told. Wow. And like, it's just, it's really sweet seeing them and their parents to like come to the assembly and just get, get so excited and take way too many pictures. And yeah, it's what a cool job and what a cool program. I'm like, I want to do that. That sounds awesome. And how you'd, beautiful you'd have a blast to like have their story be told and have that experience. What a cool program. I wish I yeah. had. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We're, I mean, right now, because of everything being shut down, we're, we're definitely in a bit of a tricky spot. I think they have a GoFundMe up if people want to donate to help keep it alive. But I think your original question with how, like, what would I recommend people do? If you're an artist, try to get a job that's flexible and that is understanding and not only understanding, but like accepts and celebrates what you do and the thing that really fuels you because the commonality of all these jobs that I've held for long periods of time. So like the church job. And then I also have a job at uh, a store called paper source, which is like a craft and paper goods supplier. And what's kept me at these jobs for so long is the people who are there with me, primarily like my supervisor and my manager, they have been so understanding and, and accepting and celebratory about what it is I really want to pursue. And because of that, it has been, Within reason, of course, like, obviously you can't, there's a lot of jobs and most jobs you can't just be like, oh, sorry, like last minute, I can't show up today. Sorry. Right. Like, uh, like you have to within reason and be responsible and considerate as much as you're able, but they've been so understanding and cool and flexible. And I think a sign of a good leader is someone who respects you just as much as you respect them and who communicates with you and so find a place with good people who respect you. Yeah, I love that. So as we're wrapping up, I'd love to ask you if there's any book you've read lately or music or some kind of art that's inspired you recently. 
there has been. I recently got a poetry book. It's like a collected poetry book of Audre Lorde's work. She was a very prominent Black lesbian slash queer writer. Yes. So yes, I I got her book and I've been kind of lax about it lately just with life stuff and like just I've, I definitely need to get back on track with it. But I've been reading one poem a day and if I feel inclined, I will draw little doodles on the bottom of the page that either something that made me inspired by that poem or if there's something that I think about and I sometimes write notes or questions being like, hmm, what does this mean or what is this about? So I've been doing that. I also, I also am trying to make my way through a book called Everything is Fucked, which oh, is, that is very, yeah, yeah, very timely. It's yeah. a book about hope. Um, so like, I'm trying to make my way through it. I started it a couple months ago and I kind of stopped. But yes, good book about hope right now. But I also really love um, this artist named Madison Cunningham. She's a vocal artist from Southern California, ooh. like a singer-songwriter. And ooh, like her music is just, she's such a good storyteller, mm-hmm. both lyrically and melodically. So I highly recommend her stuff. She just put out a new album. She has a few albums on Apple Music and you can look her up on Spotify, I'm sure. And Those are great suggestions. I, I just read Audre Lorde's Uses of the Erotic. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so good. <laughs> yes. And like, why did they never teach this in like my English classes? Because that would have been necessary, but that's again, a whole different conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Erica. You're the best. And lastly, where can people find you? You already mentioned Schaefer Claymaker, shout out, find her on Etsy and where else can people connect with you? Yes. So you can also find that on Instagram. I have an Instagram account for that, but I'm also, my personal account um, is just Erica Schaefer. So my last name is spelled S-C-H-A-E-F-F. My last name is Schaefer, but Erica Schaefer was taken on Instagram. So (laughs) I had to, I had to improvise. As a true artist would. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where you can find me. And I have a bunch of fun, like links to stuff on there if you ever want to know more, but thank you so much, Erica. Thank you, Leah. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creative Soul Podcast, and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this podcast, please feel free to send it to a friend and tell them what inspired you, or feel free to connect with me over on Instagram at the underscore modern mermaid with your thoughts. And if you would be so kind to rate and review the podcast, I would love to gift you my guided writing meditation that will help you connect deeper to yourself, your creativity, and your spirituality. Just take a screenshot of the review and send it my way at the underscore modern mermaid and I will send over the meditation. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul. 